This is the Morning Rush. Oh, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. (laughs) We are open for business once again. What is good? It is your boy, Tony C. I am back in some capacity in the big chair for another two hours of the morning rush on Cumberland's ESPN radio brought to you by Thomas Cumberland, where the experience is all about you. We are live uh, in theory from the palatial ESPN studio high atop industrial Boulevard on the south side of the Queen City, baby. Coming up on today's show, we'll look at last night's action uh, on the high school hardwood. Some late action, which is why I am the way I am today. We'll break down our last region of the NCAA tournament, the Midwest region, which includes West Virginia. And I'll give you my pick for this year's National champion. Joe Shuda has another Rush Friday feature for us. And that can't come soon enough, believe me. As he catches up with former Pirates player and current Diamondbacks hitting coach, Darnell Coles. It's a good good feature. They're always good features when Joe comes to town. All that and more coming up in the next two hours which I'm sure will be a very long two hours for yours truly. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day, wrapping up yet another essential work week. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Or our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages are available for your perusal. Like them, follow them. And if you feel, you know, froggy, take the leap. Drop me a line. Got a question, comment, an opinion, or if you just want to say, what's up? Hit me up on those Twitter pages, at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Again, uh, on the Book of Faces, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Taking your calls on the Rush Line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this funky Friday. Come on. 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, minus commercials. So you can go check them out uh, whenever you feel like it. All right. Uh, let's kick off today's show as we kick off every single show with a rock around the region. I want rock! And we start with boys high school basketball where Preston was a, a 68 63 winner over Frankfurt last night at Preston. Jake Clark had 20 points and Brady Whitaker 16 
for FHS. Elsewhere, Pendleton County rolled over Harmon 65-36. Bishop Walsh wrapped up its season with a 92-49 win over Scotland Campus. The Hampshire, Trinity, and Moorfield East Hardy games uh, were postponed. And in girls' action, Hampshire had little trouble with Hedgesville, 57-18. Jaden Judy had 11 points for the Trojans. Now, tonight, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. In boys' action, Union is at Pendleton County. Kaiser is hosting Berkeley Springs. Jefferson is hosting Musselman. And Washington is hosting Spring Mills. On the girls' side, we hope Preston is at Fairmont Senior. Petersburg is hosting Pendleton. And Kaiser is is at Berkeley Springs. In the NBA, the Wizards were trying to snap a five-game losing streak last night. Certainly, they wouldn't do it against the team with the best record in the league. Right? Out front, Westbrook open for three. That's off the rim. Rebound, Bonga. Leveling outside the arc. Beal for three. Oh, it's there! It's there! A second chance three, 115-105. Wizards up by 10. A giant DC three. And Bradley Beal now at 39. The call on Federal News Radio, 131-122 the final. Washington beats Utah for its first win since the All-Star break. Bradley Beal finished with 43 points. Russell Westbrook messed around and got his 13th triple-double of the season. 35 points, 15 boards, 13 assists. The Jazz uh, just 2-4 and four so far this month. On the ice last night, the shorthanded Penguins took on the Devils in Jersey. Devils in Pittsburgh's end. Here's Kokanen in the corner. Now it comes to the blue line. Severson with a rush out the flex. They score! 3-0 the Devils in front. 9.41 to go in the second. And they've opened things up here. The call on the Devils Hockey Network. Uh, Penguins got two goals late, but the rally fell short. They lost 3-2 to one of the worst teams in the league. Brian Rust and Jake Gensel scored for Pittsburgh, which played without Evgeny Malkin, Teddy Bluger, and John Marino. Same two teams uh, will go at it again tomorrow in New Jersey. In spring training action yesterday, the Nationals beat the Mets 3-1. Josh Bell, former Pirate. Hit his third homer of the spring. Kyle Schwarber, former Cub, hit his second uh, for Washington Pirates and Orioles. Were both off. And tonight, high school football, Greenway Avenue Stadium. It's Allegheny Fort Hill. Uh, kickoff is 5 o'clock. Catch the game right here on this very station with pregame uh, starting around 4.50. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Kappa Rally Group. So before we get into, we got a lot of college basketball to get into, all right? The first four was played last night, the NCAA tournament officially underway. Break down the Midwest region. We'll preview the West Virginia-Moorhead State game. Lots of stuff to get to. Before I do, let me just say, just throwing it out there. This morning, today is one of those days that just makes you question all of your life's choices. It's one of those days where you, you kind of sit back and you, you say, uh, what the hell am I doing with myself? Okay, and here's, this, is why I, this is why I say this. And this is why I'm so goofy this morning, and this is why I'm just so out of it, because I'm, I'm working on about an hour and a half sleep. An hour and a half, and that's being generous. 
because, you know, I mentioned in the Rock Around the Region that Frankfurt was at Preston last night. And if you know where Preston is, you know that it is not uh, an easy place to get to. It's about a two-hour bus ride, right? It's, it's about two hours. Two hours by bus, you know. Uh, no easy way, really, to get to Preston High School. There really isn't. And, of course, I was on that bus. And didn't get home until uh, very late. Uh, extremely late. Probably because it took us just as long to get our food after the game as it did to drive home. <laughs> and so I didn't get in till probably 12. 12, was it? Something like that? I don't know. It was somewhere around midnight. You lose track of time after a while. Still have to shower, right? I still have to get kind of ready for today. And so I'm just, I'm running on fumes right now. I'm just, I'm absolutely uh, exhausted. And it just kind of makes you question what exactly you're doing with your life. When you, when you feel like this, when you feel like this, call or hold on. It's really, it's really hard. Like the only thing I could think about today when I woke up was going back to sleep. It's one of those days, right? Like as soon as I roll out of bed and I shut my alarm off and I just I swung my feet over and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. I got my head in my hands and I'm going, I just start counting the hours to when I can just get back to that very same spot. Right? We all we've all had those days, right? That's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at today. One and a half hours. Look, I'm no spring chicken. Okay, nor am I a summer chicken, a fall chicken, or a winter chicken. I'm not even a chicken, now that I think about it. You know, the, the damage I'm doing to myself right now, going on one and a half hours sleep, I, 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 I shudder to think about it. Let's go to Rush Line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? Hey, this is James. So, I'm sorry about your misfortune, dude. No, you're not. Nobody there. is. Nobody cares. I'm the only one. I'm, I'm the only one that cares. Seriously, I am. I'm, I'm the only sorry, one that cares. Man. But uh, you know, I I'm, have the I have I'm the microphone, so I'll got talk more about than it. an hour. It's a long trip. It's a long, long trip on a school bus going to Preston County. And if you're a coach on the bus ride home, you're not thinking about sleep, and you're thinking about what you did wrong in the game or what you could do better the next time, and that kind of thing. Your mind's still revolving around the game, right? Especially when you lose, like we did. Yep. Did you get? Did you uh, guys get food at Hardee's? Funny, it's actually funny you mention that <laughs> because that's the first place we tried, and of course, most places in and around the area you can't sit down and eat anymore. You have to either go through the drive-through or carry it out. And since there's no dine-in, they don't really staff the place. There was one person, one. Working in Hardy's last night in Preston County. One. And she's working both the counter and the drive-thru. It doesn't matter if they had dine-in or not. That's the world's slowest Hardee's ever. Needless to well, say, we left. We we, we <laughs> couldn't stick around. And it, it wasn't this lady's fault. I mean, this lady, she you could tell she was uh she was a bit frazzled. Just trying to go back. We didn't get an order in. And we only had like maybe, I don't know, 13 of us. And we couldn't even get an order in because she was constantly working the drive-thru. So we left. We were like, we went to a place down the road. And that took that, forever. That's 13 too many. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I know you're going to be talking about college hoops, so that's why I called. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. I know you think maybe West Virginia got too high of a seed. Yeah. Okay. Well, first question. 
Oklahoma State got a four seed, which is not as good as what they should have got. Right. But does that mean West Virginia didn't deserve a three seed? They should have been flip flop. Okay. They should, could, especially I could, since I, I, I thought maybe both of them would be three seeds. Now they should have been flip flop, especially since they're in the same region. Gotcha. Because Oklahoma State beat them two out of three, including in the Big Twelve tournament, and I thought the way both teams kind of ended the season, they should have been flip flop. I would have had no problem with OK State being a three and and the Mountaineers being a four. Okay, so my other question is: you you see the region that West Virginia's in, you see the seedings and how they're going to work for West Virginia. I saw Dick Vitale's bracket, yeah, and he he's got West Virginia in the Elite Eight. Do you agree with that? Well, uh, I'm going to break down the Midwest region later in the show, but as a teaser, uh, yeah, I, I have them in the Elite Eight. I think West Virginia, they, they had a decent season. There were some heartbreaking losses they had, and they had some pretty insane comeback wins. But I thought that them being a three seed in the region, they couldn't have asked for anything better than no, what they've got. They, they got more, they'll beat Moorhead State tonight. The next round, I either whether it's it's whoever it is, Houston. I'm not sold on Houston. They're a good basketball team, but they play in uh, what the American Athletic Conference. Big whoop. They, they won't face a challenge. The biggest challenge you'll face if they face them in the next round is San Diego State. That's a good basketball team. That's a quality team. Which, I think so. Which we don't pay attention to because they're out there on the West Coast. But you know, San Diego State. People forget last year they were thirty and two. And they were going to be the top overall seed in the tournament before it got canceled. Right. San Diego State is legit. And that's going to be a tough test for the Mountaineers should they meet in the second round. If they get past that, I got them going to the Elite Eight at, at the very least. Well, San Diego State's what, 11 seed? No, they're playing. They're six. They're playing an 11. They're playing. Syracuse, you know, okay, yeah, Syracuse right, is the 11 seed. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I just wanted to see if you agree with Dick Vitale's analysis. Yeah. Yeah. I have them in, in the Elite Eight for sure. All right. Good deal. Hey, Tony, have a good Friday. How, how, how have you been uh, reacting to the shot you got earlier this week? Uh, fine. It was a little bit sore, but it was it, it didn't hurt any more than any other shot I've ever gotten. So, Good, man. I, yeah. I heard some things, but I, I'm waiting for all you guys to get your shots first. You're all <laughs> guinea pigs for me. Hey, <laughs> hey I, I said from day one, just, just let me tell me when and where. Right. You know, give me the shot and let's roll. So one down, one to go. Right. All right, Tony, you have a good weekend, All right, man. brother. Thanks a lot. You too. Thanks for the call. Later. All right, 301-759-2628. Of course, James will have the call of our Allegheny County game of the week tonight. Again, pregame around 450. Here's the funny thing. He knew he knew he stopped at Hardy's. <laughs> he knew it. And it wasn't the lady's fault. I mean, she look, there was like two people working there. One at the counter and one cook, and that was it. And then here comes this, you know, what wasn't a bus full of kids, but there was like 12, 13 of us. And you could just tell she was just like, oh, crap. You know, like, <laughs> I think she even called for backup. And after we waited there for, it was probably about 10 minutes or so, we were like, all right, we, we got to go. We got to go. So we got back on the bus, went down the road to another joint. And then waited there forever to get our food. And then we couldn't even sit and eat it. We had to eat it on the bus. And then traveled two hours back. Life choices. I can only imagine how many years I've shaved off my life 
by working some of the worst shifts in the history of of work, of employment. Seriously. Like when I when I talk about questioning life choices, I'm not even talking about coaching. I'm talking about work. I haven't had a normal shift. I I can't even tell you how long. You know, back when I worked at the uh the Mineral Daily, first I was the sports editor there, then I was the editor in chief. That was like a four to midnight gig, right? Because it was it was a morning paper, so you worked at night. So I was working generally 4 to 11, 4 to mid. Then I come here, and I work overnight for seven years <laughs> because I'm an idiot. And now I get up at 3.30 in the morning. Like, life choices. There was one day, but it was not too long ago. Remember I came in, uh, I came in late. There was no show. There were some issues the night before that involved a trip to the emergency room. So remember that I came in, I came in later. I skipped the show. I came in later. And I worked like 8:30 to, to 4. It was so foreign to me. I was like, oh, so this is how the other half lives. This is how the normal half lives. This is how real people work. This <laughs> and I remember it felt, it felt so good to get into work. At a, a a decent normal hour and leave at a decent normal hour. Anyway. This too shall pass. It, it shall pass. I already got it planned out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through the show. And then I'm gonna go straight home and I'm gonna skip lunch. And believe me when I say this, it takes a lot for me to skip lunch. It takes a lot for me to skip any meal, really. And I'm going straight to bed. And I'm not getting up until it's time to go to practice. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. I, that's my plan today. To get out of here as fast as possible. I could look, we got our we got our, our rush Friday feature coming up next hour. Joe shoot up with uh, Darnell Coles. It's about 15 minutes long. And I'm telling you right now, I'm sleeping through 14 minutes of it. And if you think I'm making it up, I'll say it. I don't care. As soon as that interview starts, my head is hitting the desk for 14 minutes. That's where I'm at this morning. That is where I am at with my life on this Friday. Normally, and see, here's the kicker before we go to break. Last night's game wasn't even on the schedule. We weren't even scheduled to play Preston. That was a last-second throw-in because we lost two games this week. The Kaiser game... On Tuesday was postponed, and we're supposed to play at Moorfield tonight. That was postponed, so Preston was like a last, a last ditch. You know, let's play. If it wasn't originally scheduled game, I would have taken a day off. I would have burned a personal day. I wouldn't even be here right now because I knew what was <laughs> what was lying ahead. I wouldn't even be here. I have personal days to burn, and I would have burned one. But because it was the last second edition, I didn't have time to put in a request, so here I am, suffering like a buffoon. The fool that I am. Anyway. Right? That's... Breathe in, breathe out. And it didn't help that we lost both games. That doesn't help. (laughs) That, That 
does not make the situation any easier when the JV and the varsity both lost. But we're getting better. We're getting better. All right, time for a break. When we come back, I promise, we'll get into some college hoops. That's too loud. Told you it's going to be a long morning. I told you. Got news and weather coming up. When we come back, we'll preview the West Virginia-Moorhead State game. And then we'll get into the entire Midwest region. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Morning Rush rolls on on this funky Friday. Tony C. in the big chair. Rush line is open 301-759-2628. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Well, it's finally arrived after a very, very long wait. March Madness officially underway after getting canceled last year, as we all know. The NCAA tournament got kick-started last night with the first four games. This is how stupid I am. I never made the connection (laughs) until yesterday why they call it the first four. I just (laughs) just thought, well, it's the first four games of the tournament. So they, they call it the first four. It never dawned on me that it's a play on the final four. Right? You start with the first four, you end with the final four. Like, I never, <laughs> never made that connection. Like, oh, they just called the first four because it's the first four games. But it's a, it's a playoff of final four. Why I just admitted that on in the air, I don't know. Had a pair of 16-16 games and a pair of 11-11 games last night. And the first game of the night in one of those 16-16 games Texas Southern rallied past the Mount, uh, Mount St. Mary's, 60-52. to The Tigers now move on to take on top-seeded Michigan in the East region. Uh, that game is tomorrow. We had our first bit of drama in the second game last night, the first 11-11 game, as Drake and Wichita State went down to the wire. Gilbert up the floor, three seconds. Gilbert for the win, a three! The Bulldogs do it. They win an NCAA tournament game for the first time in 50 years to the day. From down a dozen, they roar back and take down Wichita State. The first four at Mackey Arena's first game goes the way of Drake. 53-52, defeating the Shockers. How about that? The Bulldogs of Drake on the 50th anniversary of their last NCAA tournament win, they squeezed by Wichita State by a single point. Now they take on USC, the number six seed in the West region. That game tomorrow, Drake head coach Darian DeVries was pumped after last night's win. Yeah, really excited. Uh, you know, for our for our guys, our, our program. You know, it was. Uh, 
uh, you know, it wasn't the prettiest game in the world, but uh, I thought our guys, uh, you know, really had to, um, you know, show, show some resiliency and, and hang with it uh, in both halves. You know, we got down double digits, um, you know, and didn't have anything going offensively, but the, they continued to stay with it and, and, and believe in one another and, um, you know, were able to pull out, um, you know, a very hard-fought game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a long time, uh, and our guys our guys knew that, um, you know, they're, um, you know, it was it was it was something that uh, you know getting the opportunity to be here first of all uh, was was something that uh, you know these kids dream about you know coaches we dream about it so uh, and then to, to to get a win you know for our program that hasn't happened in 50 years um, uh, it, it's really exciting I, I mean I'm again it just um, it's these guys have, have fought through so much and um, you know for them to be the ones that were able to get us one I, I think is really deserving. So Drake moves on in the other uh, 16-16 game last night, another one-point game. Norfolk State beat Appalachian State 54-53 for their troubles. The Spartans now get to face the top overall seed Gonzaga in the West region tomorrow. Uh, Speaking of the Spartans, Michigan State took on UCLA. Uh, Again, a great game for nothing more but name recognition. Took on UCLA in the uh, the other 11-11 game, the nightcap of last night's action. And Sparty seemed to have control of the game most of the way. Like on that long bus ride home last night, I was constantly checking when I could find the signal, that is. Checking the scores. And every time I checked, it was like Michigan State up by four, up by six, up by seven, eight. But then by the time I got home... <laughs> They were in overtime. Two dribbles. Shot. No good. Rebound. Hawk has the shooter. 20 to shoot. Muscling it up top. Campbell down three. Aggressive drive. Head fake. Bounce pass. Hawkes. Head fake. Shot good and a foul. And Hawkes back to the line. He can tie the game. 28.7 seconds to go. The call once again on Westwood 1. Michigan State led by 11 at the half. The Bruins came all the way back. After being outscored 44-33 in the first half, they outscored Michigan State 44-33 in the second half to force overtime. And then outscored Sparty in the extra sesh, 9-3. And they get the 86-80 victory, and they move on. UCLA coach Mick Cronin on the comeback. Michigan State came out playing really well. Their offensive execution in the first half was as good as I've seen them. They're shooting, uh, they're passing. Uh, they uh, pretty much got whatever they wanted against us. So we huddled up at halftime as a coaching staff and tried to turn up the heat defensively in the second half, try to make them uncomfortable. UCLA now gets BYU, the sixth seed in the East region tomorrow. And we went over the East region yesterday, and I had Michigan State winning last night and then beating BYU in the first round, so I'm off to a great start. Now, at the end of the first half in that game, uh, Tom Izzo, Michigan State head coach, found himself in the middle of yet another manufactured controversy. One of the Spartans, Gabe Brown, uh, blew a defensive assignment, which led to a very late three-pointer by UCLA, at the end of the first half. As they're walking off the court, as Brown is walking off the court, Izzo comes up from behind him and 
I hesitate to use the word grab. I mean, he didn't really snatch up his arm. He just kind of reached out and took him by the arm and was pointing something out. And Brown kind of shook him away and kept on walking. Izzo reaches out and grabs the back of his jersey. Kind of like, where are you going? I got something to say to you. Brown swipes Izzo's hand away, and then they, they start yelling in the tunnel, going back and forth. And Izzo uh, was asked about that uh, after the game. Coach, you wouldn't get Brown. They had sort of a heated exchange going into the halftime. Can you tell us what that was about? <laughs> you guys are beautiful. Yeah, he missed the, a play, and I told him, and he walked away, and so I told him to come back. I mean, <laughs> I, we went through this a couple of years ago. Um, a game like that, that's the question you're going to ask me. Uh, I guess I'll answer it because the media has the right to ask whatever question, but we'll get him in here and you can ask him. I mean, it was, it was a normal nothing. It's just that uh, this day and age, everything's something. Oh, ain't that the truth? Can we put that on a T-shirt? In this day and age, everything is something. And we went through this a while back when he got into the face of another player and really heated. And then you get all... All the people coming out in social media calling Izzo a psycho. He's psychotic. He's out of control. Look at the way he abuses his players. Look at the sh- – stop it. Shut up. It happens. That happens. It happens more than you even know. It ha- and, and, and you heard Izzo say in that clip, why don't you ask him? Ask Gabe Brown. First of all, if you watch the video, if you're a coach and you're trying to get a player's attention and the player swats your hand away and walks away from you, you're going to get upset. You're going to get mad. People went after Izzo for being out of control, but in reality, Gabe Brown was out of line. You don't do that to your head coach. Wouldn't do it to your mom and dad, would you? If your mom and dad went to tell you something, and you just turned and walked away and turned your back, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? That was a disrespectful thing for Gabe Brown to do. Gabe Brown will probably tell you that. We've been down this road before with coaches like Tom Izzo. Very animated. He yells. He screams. And unless you've been there, on either side of that coin, player or coach, you just don't get it, and you never will. And if you've never been in that situation, you might just want to sit this one out. You might want to sit it out. Because you'll never get it, and you'll never understand. Because all these people see is the coach yelling at the poor little player, and and the coach is a terrible guy. And nothing could be further from the truth. I love, but I love what he said there. In this day and age, what he say? Something is everything is always something, or whatever. I, I have to replay it again. Heck, I'm on the bench last night, and I got into—I won't even call it a shouting match—but I raised my voice at a player, and he raises his voice back at me. Things get heated. In a game, frustrations boil over, right? When, when you coach with passion, when you play with passion, it happens. 
It's not all rainbows and unicorns, folks, in the locker room or on the bench. It just isn't. It's competitiveness. That's what sports is. I didn't like something that somebody said. I responded to it. He responded back. We're both sitting on the bench mad. And you know what happened in the locker room? We hugged it out and it's all good. That stuff happens all the time. But we want to make Tom Mizzle out to be the villain because he went after a player and the player wouldn't listen and walked away from him. <laughs> if you've never been there, shh. I really don't want to hear from you on the subject. I really don't. I have never heard a single Michigan State player ever complain about Tom Izzo. Ever. Have you? He's been doing it for a long time. Have you ever heard a single Spartan player ever complain about Tom Izzo or playing for Tom Izzo? I haven't. Because what we see, and you know, even Izzo during that clip, he laughed about the question. He's like, oh, yeah, I know you guys got to ask this question. It was a great game, overtime game, because we, we take that kind of stuff and we run with it. We play the video over and over and over and over again. And that's what we focus on. That's why I call it a manufactured controversy, because there is none. There simply isn't none. He didn't abuse his player. He didn't physically assault his player. He didn't punch him in the head or kick him. He grabbed him by the arm. And he grabbed him by the back of the jersey and yelled and screamed. That's it. That's it. Happens all the time. If you can't take it, you shouldn't be playing. If you can't handle it watching it, you shouldn't be watching it. It's it's that simple. All right, time for a break. When we come back tonight, the Mountaineers begin their march to what they hope is a Final Four appearance against the Eagles of Moorhead State. We'll break that game down just for you. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Coming up next hour, we have another Rush Friday feature. Joe Shuda catches up with former Pirates player, current Diamondbacks uh, hitting instructor, hitting coach Darnell Coles. We're also going to break down the Midwest region, the final region we'll go over in the NCAA tournament. And I'll give you my pick for uh, the national champion. Speaking of the Midwest region, tonight, number three West Virginia is taking on number 14 Moorhead State. It's a late tip. What else is new for West Virginia? 9.50. And I think it's on, I think it's on True TV. So good luck finding that. Mountaineers 18-9 overall this season, 11-6 in the Big 12. The Eagles 23-7 overall, 17-3 in the Ohio Valley. And uh, Moorhead State got the automatic bid by knocking off the top seed Belmont in the conference title game. Mountaineers an at-large bid after finishing fourth in the Big 12 and losing their first game of the Big 12 tournament. West Virginia, get this, 
has next to no experience in the NCAA tournament. They have only one player who has ever played in a tournament game, and that's Gabe Osaboyan, back when he was still with Arkansas in 2018. And he played a total of one minute. (laughs) Mountaineers have one minute of NCAA tournament experience heading into tonight. Now, of course, they would have had more last season, but, you know, there was no tournament. Uh, This will be the 25th tournament appearance for head coach Bob Huggins. The last 10 have come with the Mountaineers. If WVU wins tonight, it will be career win number 900 for Huggins. Looking at the Eagles of Moorhead State, they get it done around the rim. They ranked in the top 15 nationally in block shots, top 30 in rebounding margin. And they come into tonight's game on a bit of a roll. They've won seven straight and 19 of their last 20. They led the Ohio Valley in just about every major defensive category, steals, field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. They have a freshman, Johnny Broom. Uh, He's the Eagles' leading scorer and rebounder. He averaged 13.9 points and nine boards a game. Junior guard Devon Cooper averages 12.2 points a game. Skylar Potter, 11.8 points a game. Mountaineers, of course, they are led by Derek Culver, 14.5 points and nearly 10 rebounds a game. West Virginia, Moorhead State, just one common opponent this season, Richmond. Back when Richmond was ranked number 19 in the country, Mountaineers beat them 87-71. That game was in mid-December. The Eagles lost to Richmond 82-64 in their second game of the season. Moorhead State, 0-3 against Power 5 schools this season. They lost to Ohio State, Kentucky, and Clemson, all by 15 points or more. So they play a Power 5 school, they get blown out. And we played a clip from Bob Huggins earlier in the week because somebody brought up the fact that Moorhead State lost, they've, they've lost one game in 2021, just one. And Huggins' response was, well, last I checked, they don't play in the Big 12. Which I thought Moorhead State could probably use as a little bit of bulletin board material. But Huggins isn't wrong. West Virginia, much more ready to face the grind of the NCAA tournament, having played in the second toughest conference in the country. Right? Big 12. Big 10 was definitely the best conference in the country. Big 12 right behind. Moorhead State, not exactly facing the uh, stiffest of... Although, Belmont, not a bad basketball team. Belmont is pretty decent. Moorhead State, as far as mid-majors go, pretty decent. Isn't that where... uh, What's his name came from? Isn't that uh, where John Morant came from? Moorhead State? Oh, that was his school, right? I bet, bet you they wish they had him back tonight. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Moorhead State is going to hang early in this game. And the Mountaineers are going to pull away in the second half. I think, because a lot of times in, in these these supposedly lopsided tournament games, the uh, the lower seed, which is actually the higher number, if you can figure that one out, 
They, they always have something to prove. They come out. They're all they're all you know juiced up. They're all ready to go. They're hyped. They're ready to play. Pull the big upset. And it's hard for the higher seed, which is the lower number. I, I know I confused myself. It's hard for them, the favorite. Let's put it that the favorite to match the intensity out of the gate. Which is why sometimes you'll see like in a two fifteen game or an occasionally a one sixteen game, you know the game is 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 close over the first eight nine minutes, but eventually after things calm down, talent rules all right. The the, the talent of the the better team, the favorite, takes over. That's what's going to happen tonight. Morehead State, who again they're not going to be a pushover. They'll hang. The only thing I would worry about with the Mountaineers is they did have a lot of trouble this year closing teams out. They had a lot of trouble in the second half of games when they were up on somebody. He's kind of putting that final nail in the coffin. The last thing you want to do is let a team with nothing to lose, really, let them hang around. If the Mountaineers get up by double digits, which, which I think they they should, they got to, you know, keep the foot on the gas and they got to bury him. They can't let him hang around. They can't have another, uh, what was it? Was it Stephen F. Austin? Was that, was that the game? Now, somebody, I, heard, I thought I heard somebody say yesterday that it was, that was 10 years ago. There's no way that game was 10 years ago when Stephen F. Austin beat West Virginia in, in the tournament. There's no, it couldn't possibly, maybe I heard it wrong, but I can't imagine. That it was that long ago. But anyway, you don't want to repeat of that if you're the Mountaineers. They're a better team. They played in a better conference. They played a tougher schedule. And when James called in earlier this morning, you know, he said Dick Vitale had the Mountaineers going to the Elite Eight. And I have the same thing. I have the same thing. Now, after that, eh, you have to wait and see. Because when we come back next hour... We're going to break down the rest of the Midwest region. Since I have the Mountaineers moving on, I'll let you know who I think they'll play in the second round, and then so on and so on and so forth. So stick around for that. we got the Midwest region. I'll give you my pick for a national champion. And we'll have Joe Shuda, his Rush Friday feature, as he catches up with a former MLB player, current coach, Darnell Coles. That will take your phone calls 301 759 2628. Also, hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush and on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Stick around, hour number two around the bend 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush. Or at Rush Tony C. Facebook, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Check those pages out. Like them, follow them, and at any time, just drop me a line. Got a question, comment, opinion. Just to say what's up, it's fine. Taking your calls on the Rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on. 301-759-2628. We are on the cusp of the first round of the NCAA tournament. Who you got? Who's your final four? Who's your champion? 
Let us know. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. Go back and listen to uh, whatever. If you missed the first hour, we talked about me being extremely tired after a long trip to Preston County last night. Working on about an hour and a half sleep because, you know, that's healthy. Talked about the first four games last night. Some drama, some excitement, some manufactured controversy with Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo, which, by the way, I just retweeted that video. Uh, Colin Dunlap, who is one of the morning hosts on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, he put the video up on Twitter, and he says this. If you are in any way, shape, or form upset about this, you, one, never play competitive sports, two, are looking to be offended. Now carry on. And then he just posted the video. Paul Zeiss, who's one of the late guys on the fan, says this. People that are whining about Tom Izzo miss two huge points. One, every kid knows exactly what they're getting into when they sign on with Michigan State. And as a result, two, and I said this earlier, I have heard very few of his players who don't love the guy. Some kids want to be coached hard, some don't. And I retweeted it, so check it out at ESPN Morning Rush. Look at the video and decide for yourself. That's just a competitive coach and a competitive player having a heated moment. That's it. Nothing else. If you're upset about it, if you're offended by it, then like Colin said, you've never played sports, you've never coached sports. It's that simple. Things get heated, right? Things get heated in sports. It's competition. It's competitiveness. It's a high level. Sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes things boil over. It's okay. It's called human nature. It happens. Do some coaches take it a bit too far? Yeah, Bobby Knight comes to mind. Who's the coach that, uh, was it Woody Hayes? Did he, did he punch the football player? He was coached at Ohio State. Didn't he punch one of the uh, Clemson player? That, yeah, that crosses the line. But the video here from last night, it's just two, two competitive people going at it. That's it. And I think the one thing that people, like all people see, are the clips like this. Coaches yelling and screaming and losing their minds. And, oh, my, my goodness, he's so terrible. He's so awful. Look how he abuses those poor kids, those poor helpless kids. Look how terrible. What they don't see is what happens behind the scenes. People have no idea the love, true love, that coaches have for their players. You have no idea unless you've done it. Any coach worth his or her salt, whether you're coaching middle school, high school, college, NBA, whatever sport, any coach worth his or her salt loves and cares about the players. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. It's part of the reason why we do it. It's part of the reason why we sign up. You know, when you're coaching at the lower levels, it sure as hell isn't for the money. Now, some coaches do it for, you know, other reasons. But the one thing that people who get upset about this stuff you simply don't realize is coaches love their players. They care about their players. They want the best 
for their players. If that involves some screaming and yelling and some, some stiff discipline, then so be it. And like Paul Zeiss just said there, some players want to be coached hard and some don't. And the ones who don't want to get coached hard, they're going to have a hard road ahead of them because life is hard. <laughs> Everything about life is hard. So spare me the you know the, all the poor players getting yelled at by the big mean coach. <laughs> Keep that to yourself because it's garbage. All right, before we get into the uh, Midwest region, the final region we break down in the NCAA tournament. Let's uh, one final time today. Rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we start with boys high school basketball, where Preston was a 68-63 winner over Frankfurt at Preston. Uh, Jake Clark had 20 points and Brady Whitaker 16. For the Falcons. Elsewhere, Pendleton County rolled over Harmon 65-36. Bishop Walsh wrapped up its season with a 92-49 win over Scotland Campus. The Hampshire, Trinity, and Moorfield East Hardy games were postponed. In girls action, Hampshire had little trouble with Hedgesville 57-18. Jaden Judy had 11 points for the Trojans. Now tonight, maybe, hopefully, perhaps, I don't know, we have some games. In boys' action, Union is at Pendleton County. Kaiser is hosting Berkeley Springs. Jefferson is hosting Musselman. And Washington is hosting Spring Mills. On the girls' side, Preston is at Fairmont Senior. Petersburg is hosting Pendleton. And Kaiser is at Berkeley. In the NBA, the Wizards were looking to snap a five-game losing streak. Certainly, they wouldn't do it against the best team in the league. Would they? Out front, Westbrook open for three. That's off the rim. Rebound, Bonga. Leveling outside the arc. Beal for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. A second chance three, 115-105. Wizards up by 10. A giant DC three. And Bradley Beal now with 39. The call on Federal News Radio, 131-122 the final. Washington beats Utah for its first win since the All-Star break. Bradley Beal had 43 points. Russell Westbrook messed around and got his 13th triple-double of the season, 35 points, 15 boards, 13 assists. Utah is just 2-4 and four, uh, this month. On the ice last night, the shorthanded Penguins took on the Devils in New Jersey. Devils in Pittsburgh's end. Here's Kokanen in the corner. Now he comes to the blue line, Severson with a shot the flex, they score! 3-0 the Devils in front, 9.41 to go in the second. And they've opened things up here. The call on the Devils Hockey Network. Penn's got two goals late, but the rally fell short, and they lost 3-2. Brian Rust and Jake Gensel scored for Pittsburgh, which played without Evgeny Malkin, Teddy Bluger, John Marino, Jason Zucker, and Jared McCann. Same two teams do it again tomorrow night in Jersey. In spring training action, the Nationals beat the Mets 3-1. Josh Bell, former Pirate, Hit his third homer of the spring, and Kyle Schwarber his second for Washington. Uh, Pirates and Orioles were both off yesterday. And tonight, high school football at Greenway Avenue Stadium. It's Allegheny versus Fort Hill. Kickoff is 5 o'clock. Catch the game right here with pregame starting around 4.50. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporelli Group. Now, before we get back to some college hoops, got to remind you or let you know for the first time, whatever, we have a brand new half-off deal for you today. Matter of fact, two of them. Lash Boss Bar and Grill in Cressup Town and Ottaviani's in downtown Cumberland. Both of those deals, 
Get yourself a $40 gift certificate for only 20 bucks. Both deals launch 9 o'clock today. It's about 50 minutes from now. I just put up a link on our Facebook page, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. So head over to the Facebook page, hit the link, and get ready to save on some great, some great, great food. Great food. All right? Not just good. Great food. Lash Balls and Ottavianis. Today's half-off deals. Again, that link over on our Facebook page, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All right. So... We're breaking down the final region of the NCAA tournament. We broke down the West, where I have Iowa reaching the Final Four. I have Baylor winning the South, and Alabama coming out of the East region. And so here we are, just a few hours away, really, from the start of the first round. And we have one region to go, the Midwest region. And uh, last hour, I broke down the West Virginia-Moorhead State game in length, in depth, and I got the Mountaineers moving on. The rest of the region, the 116 game. Top seeded Illinois taking on number 16, Drexel. The Fighting Illini, the best team in the best conference in the country, hands down, no doubt. 23 and 6 overall, 16 and 4 in the Big Ten. Drexel was 12 and 7 overall, 4 and 5 losing record in the Colonial Conference making its first NCAA appearance in 25 years. Interesting note here about Drexel. Head coach Zach Spiker is a Morgantown native. Unfortunately for him, uh, Country Roads will be taking him home soon because Drexel has no chance to beat Illinois. None. Well, I guess anything's possible, so I'll give him a .001 chance. The Illini won 14 of their last 15 games, led the country with 15 wins versus quad one and two teams. Illinois is going to roll, and they're going to move on. And they're going to face the winner of the 8-9 game. Loyola, Chicago, the 8 seed, or ninth seeded Georgia Tech. And then we told you yesterday, the Yellow Jackets will be without ACC Player of the Year, Moses Wright, who will miss... Who will miss Meese? Is that a word? Who will miss at least this game, possibly the first two games of the tournament. And he averaged uh, 17.4 points a game this year. Loyola Chicago, 24-4 and overall, 16-2 and in the Missouri Valley Conference, where they won the title for the third time in four years. They have lost just one game in the last four months. Two months, excuse me, two months. Four months would be impressive. Two months is still impressive. The Ramblers lead the country in points allowed. They're giving up just 55.7 points a game. Georgia Tech plays its own brand of defense. They force almost 16 turnovers a game. Tech has won eight games in a row. They went through the ACC, won that tournament title. I would have picked them to win this game. If Moses Wright was playing, because I thought Tech was a little bit underseeded as a nine seed. But without Wright, their bench isn't very deep. I'm going with the Ramblers to ramble on to the next round. In the ever popular 5 12 game, fifth seeded Tennessee taking on number 12 Oregon State, the surprise winner of the Pac 12 tournament. 
Volunteers, 18 and 8 overall, 10 and 7 in the SEC. Oregon State, just 17 and 12 overall, 10 and 10 in the Pac 12. And they won their first ever conference tournament by beating Colorado last Saturday. It's the only reason why they're here, because they, they wouldn't have been in that large team. Tennessee, kind of an up and down year. They got off to a 10 and 1 start, then lost 3 of 5. Then they went 6-4 and four over their last 10 games. And they have two fantastic freshman guards in Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. And in the tournament, as we talked about, you need guard play. I like Tennessee in this game. Won't be a 5-12 upset here. Tennessee moves on. And in the 4-13 game, Oklahoma State, who I said earlier in the week, should have been a higher than a 4 seed. Should have been higher than 4. They got, they got hosed. They will take on Liberty. OK State, 20-8 and eight overall, 11-7 and seven in the Big 12. They made it all the way to the Big 12 title game, knocking off West Virginia and Baylor along the way. Of course, you pay attention this year. Cowboys are led by superstar freshman Kate Cunningham, future NBA lottery pick. He averaged just 20 points a game. Isaac Likely, he's back. He's healthy. 10 points, 7 boards, Three and a half assists a game. And look, not only did OK State get hosed with a four seed, they got to take on a Liberty team that will absolutely just suck the life out of a game. The Flames were 23 and five this year, 11 and two in the Atlantic Sun Conference. They enter the tournament on a 12 game win streak. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They average 10 made threes a game, but it's their defense that could possibly give Oklahoma State fits. Liberty's head coach is Richie McKay, who is a former assistant at Virginia. And what is Virginia known for? Playing the pack line defense. What does Liberty play? Pack line defense. Flames have ranked in the top 20 in scoring defense in each of the past four years, including this year, giving up 59.6 points a game. This is not, I repeat, not going to be an easy game for Oklahoma State. They they must have just upset somebody in the selection committee. They must have gotten somebody angry to get a four seed and then have to take on Liberty in the first round. I think they'll have enough. I do. I think they'll have enough to win. In a game that's going to be close, would I be sitting here Monday being surprised if Liberty won this game? No. Not overly surprised, but I think OK State wins. Bottom half of the region. Number six, San Diego State will face number 11, Syracuse. San Diego State, we talked about this in the first hour when we had a caller call in. You can call in now, too, 301-759-2628. SDSU, one of those teams that we don't know too much about because they're on the West Coast and we're all the way over here. We don't pay attention to West Coast that much. Aztecs, 23-4 overall, 14-3 in the Mountain West Conference. Remember, this team was 30-2 last season. And they were on their way to probably being the top overall seed in the entire tournament before the whole thing was called off. Remember that. San Diego State was 30-2 last year. They have four seniors back from that team. 
not as great defensively as they were last year, but they can still shoot the three. They don't turn the ball over that much. Syracuse, they're one of the last teams to get in that large bid. 16-9 overall, 9-7 in the ACC. And how many times have we seen a Jim Beheim team barely sneak into a tournament and then make a long run? We've seen it time and time again. They still give teams fits with that zone defense they've been running forever. And the thing about San Diego State is it has a pretty poor track record in the tournament recently. They've only gotten out of the second round once in their last five uh, tournament appearances. Good news is this isn't the second round. It's the first round. So I like SDSU to beat Cuse and move on where they will play West Virginia in the next round. I already picked West Virginia to win. That is going to be a great matchup in the second round, San Diego State and West Virginia. Next game, seven seed Clemson, number 10 Rutgers. Clemson, 16-7 and seven overall, 10-6 and six in the ACC. Rutgers barely got in. 15-11 and 11 overall, 10-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Scarlet Knights are back in the NCAAs for the first time in 30 years. Now, both teams got off the hot starts this year before kind of kind of tailing off. Clemson started out nine and one, then they lost four of their last or four of five in conference play. Rutgers started out seven and one, but then lost five in a row in Big Ten play. And they were just five and eight against quad one teams this season. Both teams good enough to beat just about anybody on a good day. But they can also get blown out at <laughs> any point in time. I like Rutgers defense. Uh, they led the Big Ten with nearly eight steals a game. I don't like how Clemson was playing down the stretch. They got bounced in the first round of the ACC tournament. I like Rutgers to move on and face the winner of the final game in this region, the second seed Houston, taking on number 15 Cleveland State. Houston, 23-3 and overall, 14-3 and in the American Athletic Conference, the ACC. The Vikings of Cleveland State, 19 and 7 overall, 16 and 4 in the Horizon League. They're in the tournament for just a third time in school history. Houston has one of the best defenses in the country. They're holding opponents to just 58 points a game, and they lead the country by holding teams to 35.7% shooting from the field. Cleveland State, they love some drama. 13 of their 19 wins this season came by single digits. This game won't be one of them. Houston wins and moves on. So, now we move on to the second round where we have Illinois against Loyola Chicago, Battle of Illinois. Tennessee, Oklahoma State, the Battle of uh, Orange. San Diego State, West Virginia. And then Rutgers and Houston. I have from that group moving on. I like Illinois to beat Loyola. I like Oklahoma State to beat Tennessee. I like West Virginia in what should be a one of the better games of the second round to beat San Diego State. And believe it or not, I'm going out on a limb here. I know it, but I like the Rutgers defense. I'm going to take Rutgers in a very low-scoring affair because Houston plays defense too. Rutgers pulls the upset. But I, I got Rutgers in the Sweet 16, I know. 
Then in the region semifinals, I like Illinois over Oklahoma State. And I like West Virginia to move on to beat Rutgers. For the record, they'll beat Houston too. Can I just put that out there? They'll beat Houston. Either way. I like the Mountaineers getting getting to the uh, the region final. San Diego State's going to be their toughest game of that of that draw. They'll, they'll beat Moorhead State. If they can get past SDSU, they'll beat either Rutgers or Houston. Which puts them against Illinois in the region final. And, and, I like Illinois. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mountaineer fans. That's, that's where it comes to an end. So that now brings me to the final four. I have Iowa out of the West. They will take on Alabama from the East. I have Baylor in the South taking on Illinois from the Midwest. I like Bama to beat Iowa. And I like Illinois to beat Baylor. National Championship game, April 5th. I like the Fighting Illini. Illinois to cut down the nets in Indianapolis and win the national title. So there you go. That is my pick for this year's title game, champion, Illinois. Look, best team in the Big Ten. You're the best team in the best conference. You have the most quad one and two wins about anybody. They have how many wins in the top ten? It's like five or six. It's ridiculous. They're playing better than anyone. They're playing better than Gonzaga. Right now, I have Illinois as the best team in the country, and they're going to improve it. They're going to go all the way through. And they're going to win the national championship. So there you go. All the action kicks off today at noon. First four games are out of the way. Now we get to the first round. Today, March Madness is back after a year off. And we rejoice. Which Illinois will do a few weeks from now. All right, stick around. More on the way. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. We got Joe Shuda's Rush Friday feature coming up here in just a minute. I managed to depress myself thoroughly during the break. We talked earlier about a Drake's win over Wichita State in the first one of the first four games yesterday, right? And that win by Drake came on the 50th anniversary of their last NCAA tournament win. Of course, that would put it at 1971. And I was, wait a minute. Uh, I was born in 1971. So if that's the 50th anniversary of, of their last tournament win in 71, that would mean that I, I'm, I'm going to be 50. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Sooner than you think. It's like 11 days away. (laughs) I kind of forgot about it for a while. Thanks, Drake, for reminding me on your 50th anniversary uh, that mine's coming up here in just a bit. Anyway. Uh, All right, time now for another Rush Friday feature. My main man, Joe Shuda, checking in once again. Check out all his stuff. On his website, 2MinuteTO.com. That's the number 2, MinuteTO.com. His long interviews, his his 2-minute timeouts, all his stuff right there. Check it out. 
Joe does some good work. Today, the uh, focus of our feature, former Pirates player, longtime MLB player, and now current coach with the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, Darnell Coles. Here is Joe Shuda in our Rush Friday feature. My guest on the Rush Friday feature had a 14-year major league career and is currently the hitting instructor for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He joins me from Phoenix, Arizona for our 29th annual interview, Darnell Coles. Thanks for joining me once again. Time goes quickly, doesn't it? Yes, it does. This time last year, who would have expected what happened? Go through the whole spring training situation when you first found out there could be a problem about shutting it down with the virus, and what were your reactions? Well, again, we start spring training normal. Everything's going good. I think we have an off day, probably middle of the third week of uh, spring training. Following day, uh, we were supposed to play the Brewers a day game at our place, and Word came down that spring training was going to get shut down because of the pandemic. And uh, again, shocked that one, that there would be a pandemic in itself, but two, that everything would kind of snowball the way it did, where you'd be out multiple months where people around the world, not just in the United States, were getting sick. So now baseball is not the priority. It's the health of the world for that matter. So I can't speak for anybody else. Baseball needed to shut down. I'm glad baseball shut down because any life lost is not a good thing. And uh, our objective was to get everybody safe, get everybody and everything under control, figure out a plan moving forward that was going to make the most sense baseball-wise and then move forward from there. But again, putting uh, society first and not allowing sports or any of that stuff to drive any of that stuff. Explain the whole testing procedure, how often you were tested about wearing masks, social distancing. That had to be difficult. It's difficult for the average person for a locker room in a clubhouse with guys who are always around each other and practicing and whatever. How difficult was that? Oh, very difficult. You know, you're used to uh, shaking hands and high-fiving and, and all that good stuff and giving each other hugs when you come in the clubhouse, that sort of thing. So all that stuff had to stop. You had to social distance. You have to have masks. In some instances, everything you touch is getting wiped down. Everything. I mean, obviously, it was difficult at first because it's something you've never done before. You weren't used to and you had to have a mask on all the time and you're getting tested. You're getting your temperature taken when you come to the ballpark. Once you get in the ballpark, you're getting tested four out of seven days a week. I and mean, obviously, if there's an off day, then you're getting tested three days in a row. And then the day after you come back after the off day, just to make sure. So again, Major League Baseball did a fantastic job of getting everybody in the bubble, understanding the ramifications of guys getting outside the bubble and doing things that weren't characteristic with taking care of your group and making sure that you don't do anything outside the group. So Major League Baseball did a fantastic job of making sure that most everybody uh, stayed in the bubble. But again, if someone got outside the bubble or did something to where someone needed quarantine instantaneous, that person got quarantined. The tracing started. They took care of that, made sure that's taken care of. Uh, Major League Baseball did a fantastic job. We're joined by Darnell Coles, 14-year Major League career. He's currently the hitting instructor for the Arizona Diamondbacks. No fans in the stands. As a former athlete, how different was that? Obviously, in, in the lower minor leagues, you don't have a lot of fans. Maybe in high school, you see friends and family. How did the players deal with that initially? Oh, I'm, again, tough initially, but I think most stadiums and Major League Baseball did a great job of 
being able to pipe in fan noise. Some stadiums were a little different than others. Some were louder than others. You still had your walk-up music and all the other stuff, but the interactions with the fans, you know, looking over the top of the dugout at a home game and having your fans cheering for you was difficult for the players. Not so much as a coach because, again, my job is to make sure that my hitters are hitting and I try not to buy into all the other stuff. But, again, it was difficult in so many different fronts without having fans. So the hope is, is that we have fans as soon as possible to get the game back to normal but obviously first things first we got to get everybody vaccinated you got to make sure that it's safe for uh, fans to come to the ballpark which makes it safe for us to come to the ballpark and interact again which is what we're all looking for you look at last year the idea of the extra innings where you started a runner on second base what were your feelings about that and then obviously the elephant in the room is sabermetrics and we saw that surface with Blake Snell being taken out of Game 6 of the World Series. And so many people said, let's get back to baseball where you don't have to have a computer running the game. What are your feelings about that? When it comes to the runner at second, I thought that was a great idea. I think it helps speed up games. And each team gets a shot at it. So just a matter of who can execute at the right time. I think that when it comes to the sabermetrics portion of it, I think each individual team has to do what they need to do to give their teams the best chance of winning. Sometimes, you know, you have to go against that when it comes to, you know, giving it the eye test where you can see a guy mowing down a certain team. You've got to trust your instincts to be able to make those decisions with the right convictions and be able to live with it at the end of the day. I think that in the Snell case, Tampa Bay has done that all year long, and it's worked out for him. And in this instance, it just didn't happen to work out for him. Explain your role as a hitting instructor. What exactly do you do? What time do you report? What do you have to go through? Do you work with individual players on a regular basis or a couple of days a week? Well, for me, if you're talking, let's just say a spring training day. Spring training day, I get to the park at 6 o'clock in the morning. I make sure that the cages are all set up. Each individual cage has the same allotment of balls. They're generally in the same spot in the cage. I have a pine tar set where you have pine tar rags and sticky stuff that they can put on the bat. Weights that kind of go with that too. So each individual cage has shorter bats. So if they want to do some one-handed stuff and all the other stuff. So I got to make sure each cage has the right allotment of stuff so that when that player steps in there, he knows that he has everything he needs to start his day. And, and again, in spring training, we have five cages and there's generally six hitting instructors in camp, me being seven. So a lot of times, depending on who's in which cage, I'll generally grab a cage and work with some different guys from their routines, you know, usually starting with some sort of a side toss lifts, T to eventually going into uh, machine work and or an arm where somebody's throwing at them. After we get done with that, there's generally some sort of meeting that generally takes, you know, hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half to get all 30 guys through there and get their work done and all the other stuff. And then uh, we head to a meeting. We go over what's going to go on for the day. And then I have to go out and make sure all the fields are all set up so that once BP starts, everything kind of goes like clockwork. So again, my day uh, never stops once we get going as far. I'm, I'm generally done, you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, depending on if there's a game. Obviously, a little later than that, looking at video and all that after games to kind of set up the day for the next day. But once that's done, then I'm good to go and I go home and relax with my wife and sit down and, uh, and set up 
tomorrow's day. I mean, it's 11, 12 hour days, uh, but I love it. I love doing it. I, lo- I enjoy it. 14 year major league veteran, now the hitting instructor with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Darnell Coles joins us. Darnell, how do you view baseball now as a coach as compared to when you were playing? Are there certain things that you see now that you didn't see when you were a player? No, I think the game is generally played the same. I think you you have star players that uh, are fantastic, you know, like a Barry Bonds and Griffey Jr. when I played. You also have fantastic players now, probably a little older in that, um, an Albert Pujols or Miguel Cabrera, but then you also have quite possibly the best player in the game in Mike Trout. So different eras have different players, but they stand out. Um, they're great players. Um, there's a reason they're great players. They have great routines. They understand what they're doing. They pay attention to detail. They are the best players of their era. Now, also, I think that sabermetrics and analytics have kind of changed the game a little bit in that you're now it's more understanding launch angles and being able to evaluate players based on what their tendencies are and and are they better when they stay to the middle of the field or do they do more damage when they're pulling the ball in the air so there's different ways to understand how the analytics will work for each individual player i mean you've got to make sure that you dive into the things that are simple and understandable for the player so that when he goes out and he plays, he's not dialing into all the analytics, that he's trusting the fact that his process works, that he understands what two-strike hitting is all about, what hitting behind the runner is all about, situational awareness, and then understanding that when you're in the batter's box, as long as you stick to your strength and they pitch to your strength, you're going to be successful because, again, strengths are the best attributes of most players. And then now you've got to understand and be able to make adjustments based on in-game situations. So I think that's the way it was back when I played. It wasn't talked about as much as it is now. But at the end of the day, as a hitter, you're just trying to hit every ball hard and hope that there's nobody standing in front of it. Some final moments with Darnell Cole's 14-year Major League career, hitting instructor currently with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Author John Updike said that athletes have two lives. They have a little death that comes when they realize they can no longer perform at the level they did when they were younger, and then, of course, life after their athletic career. What about you? As you came to the end of your career, were there signs you saw that you couldn't do certain things? I had a former player told me that a ground ball hit to him at third base, and he says, I got it to himself, and the ball was past him. And he said, two or three years ago, I had that easily. What about you? Well, I I just think that, you know, Father time has not lost yet. I think that as you get older, you know, you lose some reflexes or some quickness or some muscle. you got to try your best to understand it, but also you've got to keep yourself in the best shape so that you're able to allow your fast twitch to continue to carry you till you decide to retire. I mean, for instance, Tom Brady, 43 years old. He's in the best shape of his life. He eats right, gets his rest. Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old the MVP of the National Football League. And again, he's older. And uh, these guys are competing at a high level because they keep themselves in shape, they eat right, and they uh, pay attention to detail. And again, as an older player, you have to understand more so what teams are trying to do and be able to execute and get to your fast switch as often as you can. So, yeah, I knew when it was time for me. And mine was more not so much that I couldn't compete at the level that I thought I could, which I probably couldn't. But I had uh, kids at home that I hadn't seen play games and missed a lot. And I just felt like when I retired, it was time to shut it down. So, 
Can you relate a funny or bizarre story from your time of playing? The only difference is I usually give you now a month notice. It used to be you could do it on the spur of the moment. Can you relate a funny or bizarre story from your years of baseball? <laughs> yeah, you you always seem to come up with something for me amongst all your interviewees. So, yes, I do have one for you. It was me and multiple couples. Uh, me and my wife and multiple couples were at Crystal Palace in the Bahamas. We had went and saw a show. We came out of the show. And we're all playing blackjack. And Dave Martinez, the manager of the Washington Nationals, was one of those. Um, Randy Knorr, who's now the first base coach of the Nationals, was one of the other guys. And Harold Reynolds was there as well. So we happened to uh, be playing blackjack. And all of a sudden, two guys came in on jet skis and they tried to rob the casino while we were playing blackjack. So one guy comes in, he sprays bullets across the top of the building, and then the other guy jumps over the top of the cage. Now, right about now, uh, one of the wives of the people that we're with is frozen, like frozen to where she can't move. And she's literally five yards away from all the action. So about that time, uh, one of the guys that was oh, I was with had to run and dive and tackle his wife to tackle her to the ground because she was like totally frozen. So anyway, to continue the story, um, the other guy jumps back over, gets the money, jumps back over the cage, but trips and falls. The other guy runs out of the door. Uh, the security people grab that guy. Uh, that fell with the money and they start beating him with a metal trash can. Now, at this point in time, I realized that I picked up it's everybody's underneath the table, but I realized that I had a 14 and I reached up and grabbed my $10 uh, bet and pulled it down off the table. And uh, that was it. So um, everybody got out unscathed, but I made sure that I didn't lose on a 14. That's a good one. That, that's a, I would say you're a real card, Darnell. Is that appropriate? <laughs> that's appropriate. But I will tell you this. They flipped the cards over. You know, they played the hand out. Um, they flipped the cards over, and I did have a 24. So, yes, I'm glad I reached up and grabbed my 10 bucks. Finally, Darnell, what's the future for you? You'll be 59 years of age. We've talked about the fact that I'm sure you still have aspirations to manage. But at your age, is that something or are you getting to the point where maybe that's not a possibility nope i'm, I'm still uh i know how baseball works and i know that it runs in cycles and i'm just waiting my turn i am all in on trying to get an opportunity i'm on all in on hopefully getting an interview and i'm all in on if given that opportunity that i want to manage and get an opportunity to uh, be ahead of an organization Darnell, thanks for joining us once again. Next year will be, well, the future we know is going to be next year, 30 years, 30 years in a row. Can you imagine that? That's absolutely incredible. 30 large. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us once again on the Rush Friday feature, and good luck this year. All right. Thanks, Joe. This is the Morning Rush. Let's check on the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Wizards' Russell Westbrook? Russ collected his 13th triple-double of the season, 35 points, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, as the Wizards snapped the five-game losing streak 
with a 131-122 win over Utah in Washington. So Russell Westbrook, our player who delivered, uh, brought to you again by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Told you earlier, we broke down the final region. We broke down one region each day. We concluded it, wrapped it up this morning. I have Illinois cutting down the nets in Indianapolis and winning the national title. I'm not the only one. I don't think there's a gap. I don't think there's a margin. If there's a wide margin, it's in favor of Illinois over Gonzaga. I think Illinois Illinois is the best team in the country right at this point. And it doesn't feel close. It really doesn't. And maybe it's a recency bias because Gonzaga's already taken care of business, beating BYU out west, their tournament being handled, and them kind of sitting in the background waiting for everything else to play out. But I'm watching Illinois steamroll everybody. Illinois won 12 of their last 13. These young guards are playing like sophomores. Trent Frazier has been great for this team. I would assume he's as talented as any. Kofi Coburn has been the best big in the Big Ten down the stretch. And I don't think there's a better best of the best to be than the best big in the Big Ten, which is loaded with them. Illinois guards really well. That's where they've gotten a lot better. But like guys like Curbelo and their growth. Talked to Coach Underwood for Illinois last week, and he said, the fact that we've bought into defending has been the differentiator. This team on the floor of Gonzaga, give me Illinois eight times out of ten. That was ESPN's Jordan Cornette. We're on the same page. Illinois right now. All apologies and all respect to Gonzaga and Baylor. Illinois is the best team in the country. And they're going to win the whole thing, I think. I hope. Because, well, you know. First round today and tomorrow. Second round Sunday and Monday. So when we come back Monday, we will definitely recap the weekend and get ready for those Monday games. It's kind of weird. We're starting a day later than usual. Today, looking at this schedule briefly, uh, two games in the South region kicks things off. 12-15, number 10, Virginia Tech, number 7, Florida, then number 14, Colgate, and number 3, Arkansas, who I have making a deep run in the tourney. Then after that, the aforementioned Illinois, the Fighting Illini, they are taking on Drexel. Then you have uh, Texas Tech and Utah State in the South region, Ohio State and Oral Roberts. Baylor and Hartford. Look for a lot of blowouts early, by the way, the way this schedule's shaping up. Then, a really good game. 4 o'clock, Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech. Then Tennessee, Oregon State. Oklahoma State, Liberty. UNC, Wisconsin. Houston, Cleveland State. Purdue, North Texas. Clemson, Rutgers. San Diego State and uh, Syracuse. Then, the late games. West Virginia, Moorhead State, Villanova, and Winthrop. That is your entire schedule from start to finish as the first round kicks off today. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. March Madness is back after a year hiatus. And uh, let the games begin, man. Let them begin. We'll have plenty to break down and go through on Monday. That's the second time I've done that this morning. Hit the wrong button, way too loud. What a way to go out. We started off on a bad note. Might as well finish it the same way. All right, have a great weekend. Enjoy all of the hoops. Have fun. Be safe. We'll see you back here Monday to break it all down. 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. and I am done. Ah, see ya.